it's not unheard of that I'll have a bet on the side or total in every single game for the preseason each week. In my opinion, and a lot of other sharp people's opinions, the preseason is one of the best betting opportunities that's out there. Welcome to Props and Hops, a podcast pursuing the best in betting and beer and part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm your host, Matt Landis, and with the Hall of Fame game coming up tomorrow, it's time to talk some NFL preseason action. To do just that, we've got one of the best in the business, the Hitman, on hand for today's show. Hitman made his first appearance back on episode 49. Been back a few times since, but I like that we're bringing things full circle here on episode 149 of Props and Hops. But first things first, everybody, a quick order of business right off the top. If you're into sports betting and you're in the LA area, you're invited to a meetup for Props and Hops and Friends, we can call it. It'll be next Friday, August 12th, 7 p.m. at We're Pouring in Glendale. I'm organizing this meetup with pro bettors and friends of the show, Joey Isaacs, at Joey Isaacs on Twitter, as well as Porter, who goes by at MLBK's Psychic on Twitter. And I think we're going to have something on hand for every palate. We're Pouring offers great beer, wine, and food, and we'll supply plenty of good betting conversation. Maybe I'll be sweating my Green Bay plus two and a half bet at San Francisco, something I was turned on to courtesy of today's guest on Props and Hops. More on that in a moment. But yeah, if you want to come hang out, enjoy the best in both the props and the hops, we'll be at We're Pouring in Glendale again next Friday, August 12th, 7 p.m. If you're hearing this, you are invited. Any questions, feel free to DM me on Twitter at MLandis18. All right, with that out of the way, before that meetup can happen, plenty to prep for with the preseason. We've got a nice primer teed up from a pro's perspective. Hitman, welcome back to Props and Hops. Always nice to be on, Matt. You do a great job with all these interviews, all your guests. I'm just happy to be back on for another one. Thank you. Always a blast when we get to connect. And I think right off the top, we can... Get into the latest in the NFL news cycle. We had a slight delay for our Twitter and YouTube live audience. Would love it to peel back the curtain for just a moment and have you describe the last 15 to 30 minutes in your life as a pro better. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I said to you earlier that any time that I have something to do, that that's when you know that breaking news is about to happen in the NFL. If, it's, if I'm on the first tee at a golf course, you know something's going to happen that distracts me. If I sit down for dinner, you know something's going to happen. So, of course, this Watson news had to break um, when we were about to start this uh, podcast. But, um, yeah, so, I mean, the first thing that goes on in my head when I see something like that is, well, who has Brown's regular season win totals up and who's going to be a little bit late to, to pull the odds on these and – Per the course, usually the, the slower moving, not as sharp books are the ones that are, are will not move this in time. And DraftKings, of course, they were one of the places that did leave the lines up. So it's just it's a lot of phone calls you're making, a lot of text messages you're sending out, a lot of line shopping that you're doing. Hey, who has Browns under? Who has some Browns game of the year lines up and all that. Um, at the end, uh, was not able to get 
uh, any big bets down on it, but was able to get a, a little bit down on some Browns unders to make it all worth it. And we will dig into the preseason shortly, but while we're talking about this moment in the news cycle, I know yesterday you were on the Early Value NFL podcast with friend of the show, Ross McDowell, and I want to advance versus repeat any of that conversation when it comes to maybe what we can learn from this whole Deshaun Watson saga that's still unfolding in real time. When it comes to future offseason news, it's inevitable that there's almost always going to be something leading up to a season. Any lessons from this whole Deshaun Watson situation, purely from a betting perspective, that you think some up-and-coming bettors could look to apply moving forward? Uh, try to stay in front of the news. There was a lot of reporters, uh, Pat Kerwin. I know he has a lot of sources in the league, and he tweeted, I think it was about 45 minutes before the news broke, he tweeted that he was thinking that Watson was going to get a longer suspension and that he thought it would be 10 games or so. And there were some other reporters that were kind of, they were kind of hinting that they thought the same thing was going to happen. So if you got in front of that news, then obviously you were able to get a, a lot bigger of a bet down on some Browns unders. And so I think that probably the biggest thing that you could learn is try to do your best to get in front of the market and get in front of the news cycle if you possibly can. And to build on that, for those who can't stay in front of the you know Twitter feeds like you have so well curated all the time, I think that thinking outside the box and looking not just to fade the Browns directly, but sometimes there could be an opportunity, I know in the past few months, betting the Ravens for odds of better than two to one to win the AFC North. It kind of alternative ways to get in play against Cleveland. Um, a lot of the value has sailed when it comes to Deshaun Watson, but staying current with the news and thinking outside of the box, derivative ways to get in play at the same angle can go a really long way when we're working through pretty murky NFL offseason news. But looking ahead, something not as murky because it's a lot closer when we look at the horizon, the preseason kicking off tomorrow with the Hall of Fame game. I'd love to get your take on top handicapping factors when it comes to NFL preseason games. Yeah, it's kind of like what I just said with the Watson thing. And by the way, with the Watson thing, I'm saying how I'm betting Browns unders right now. But, you know, there's a chance that Watson gets cleared to play week one if this goes to federal court and, and more stuff. So it's just staying on top of the news because you might be looking to bet Browns overs at some point if that looks like it's going to happen. So just keep up with it. But um, as far as preseason goes, there's really two ways to approach it. It's one um, keep up with the beat writers, try to stay in the news about playing time. That's probably the most important uh, th handicapping thing about preseason. But a lot of those lines do tend to move quick. So you really got to be on top of it. And then the, the, the way that you could uh, handicap the preseason where it's a little less time sensitive is usually handicapping coaches motivation and handicapping quarterback depth charts. Obviously, John Harbaugh has won 20 straight games in the preseason with the Ravens. Everybody knows it. The market knows it. But you know what? The openers on the money line, there were some Ravens minus 140s on the openers. And you just know, hey, the Ravens are probably going to get bet up because of Harbaugh's history in the preseason. So if you can handicap that and anticipate it, you look at the price now, it's in the minus 190 range. And then with the quarterbacks, it's not just the first string quarterback because, you know, he might not play that long in most cases, but handicap the second string, the third string. I know the, the Carolina Panthers 
were a team that I was looking at and Washington as well. And they, they happened to be facing each other in week one and that total opened at 34. And you look at Washington, Taylor Heineke is one of the best backups in the entire league. And the Panthers have a quarterback competition where you're going to probably see some Mayfield. You're probably going to see some Darnold and PJ Walker as a third stringer and Matt Corral as a fourth stringer or vice versa isn't terrible for third and fourth stringers. So there's really two ways to, to handicap the preseason, in my opinion. I think those are very meaningful factors, coaches, motivation and quarterback depth charts, as you touched on. I also think that over the years, maybe it's just me and my bubble, but I feel like I'm hearing a little bit more about angles like that as the years go by, wondering how much the market might be accounting for those now. Are there any factors between those two or perhaps anything else that you think can be advantageous to bet in the preseason that might not be getting priced properly across what's otherwise a quite efficient marketplace? Um, it's, it's, it's hard to say. Um, you know, we, obviously weather could come into play. I know the Hall of Fame game was getting some under money earlier in the week, and a lot of that was because of the weather forecast. So that could be another factor that comes into play. But really, if, if, you're, if you're not playing the news, and the news is hard to bet because it, the lines – do tend to sometimes move quick, but if you, so if you're not betting the news and you're really handicapping, uh, I would really try to look into some coaches quotes and history about how much they care about the preseason and what these quarterback depth charts. I know with quarterbacks, um, you tend to prefer to have a scrambling quarterback in the preseason. And the reason is, is because a lot of these second and third string offensive linemen just get absolutely destroyed by the defensive linemen in these games. So typically if you have a statue in a quarterback, he's not going to succeed as much as much as the guy, maybe like PJ Walker, like I just mentioned that he's going to be able to escape that pass rush and make some things happen on his own. I like that angle with mobile quarterbacks and I'll run something by you. I wonder if this might be a subtle factor when we look at what's officially called week one of the preseason looking beyond the hall of fame game we have a couple teams who will be playing their second game against teams that will be playing their first preseason games. So Jacksonville in preseason week one, currently minus one and a half hosting Cleveland. And then the Raiders also playing in the Hall of Fame game, of course, in week one. They are laying two and a half right now against the Vikings. When it comes to that angle of teams taking the field for a second time, maybe they've got a little bit more familiarity with some of the you know new faces at the bottom of the depth chart. Do you think that is properly priced in or could there possibly be some value looking to teams like the Jags and the Raiders once they get back on the field post Hall of Fame game? I mean, it's not the the end all be all. I'm not going to blindly play anything. But if you ask me, like if I prefer that a team would be playing their second preseason game rather than the first, I'd prefer the second. And probably one of the main reasons is one, obviously, for experience for a lot of the young players that are playing their first game in the NFL. So now this will be their second game while the other team is playing their first. So just the, the little bit of experience factor of playing in an NFL game is beneficial. So I'd say that I prefer it, but it's, it's not a absolutely, it's not a huge factor in my handicapping. Fair enough. And certainly don't mean to apply that any of these are absolutes to play blind. Usually it's the accumulation of these subtle nudges to either go ahead and make a play or perhaps making the prudent decision to pass in certain scenarios. One more factor I want to run by you. 
I've heard some whispers of teams playing each other in the regular season, often keeping it especially vanilla should they meet in the preseason. That could mean looking to bet unders on totals. And we can look at an example from week one, the Rams playing the Chargers. Those two teams will meet later on in the regular season as well. The game's lined at 31 for the preseason matchup. That's already pretty low. Do you think the factor of these teams going especially vanilla is already priced in? Or perhaps might there still be a bit of meat left on the bone, considering beyond just the fact that there's a regular season rematch coming, Sean McVay and Brandon Staley are two of the coaches least likely to put any key guys out there early on in the preseason. Yeah, um, I would say it's not priced in to to games. So if you do like that angle and you think it's strong, it's probably not going to be priced in, at least at the opener. It's not going to be priced in. And that Rams game actually did open at 33 I believe. So it has been bet down, but I mean, for that specific game, the, the reason that that line is so low is like you said, that both teams aren't going to play anybody and it's known that's their history. That's how they do things. But if you do like that angle for other games where, where that's going to apply, I would say it, definitely at the openers, it, it won't be accounted for. Got it. Well, I'd like to zoom out a bit from specific preseason angles and look at things pretty broadly. I think back to last year, just about this time, it was leading into week three of the preseason. I had you on the show prior to Bet Bash, and you talked about your ROI when it comes to sides and totals being much greater in the preseason than the regular season. In fact, I think that day you would bet the Seahawks at Pickham against the Chargers, and the line had already moved up to Seattle minus six by the time we had our conversation so when it comes to the number of full game side and total bets for an average preseason week versus an average regular season week, how would you compare your volume? Um, for my personal bets, it won't, it's not unheard of that I'll have a bet on the side or total in every single game for the preseason each week. And for the NFL, obviously, for week one, week two, that's not the case. In week 15, 16, I might only have four or five bets on a cider total. And it's just a more liquid and efficient market. And it's just tougher to win at. But in my opinion, and a lot of other sharp people's opinions, the preseason is one of the best betting opportunities that's out there. Now, the unfortunate thing about it is that because it's such a small sample size, you can get some negative variants and have a losing preseason. It's only three weeks. Whereas the NFL, if, if it was an 18-week preseason, I would I would be very surprised if I ever had a losing season in it. But there there is some variance with the preseason just because of the sample size. But yeah, it's I get as much action down in it as I possibly can. When it comes to the variance versus the expected value, how do you go about trying to extract as much value as you can from a small window of the sports betting calendar versus understanding that because of the variance, you don't want to overextend yourself at the same time? Yeah, I'm not worried about really overextending myself. It's kind of getting whatever I can get down on this on the preseason. I'm looking to get down because, you know, at the end, I'm – very, very confident that I have an edge in the preseason. The NFL regular season, I think I have an edge. I, I've done well over time, but I'm not blind to the fact that sometimes it's so hard to beat that it could smack you in the face. And you might think you have an edge on sides and totals. 
and it might not be as big as you think. So uh, you, you tend to have a little bit more caution with regular season sides and totals. But with the preseason, I'm very confident that I have an edge when I'm betting. So it's kind of one of those situations where you're I'm looking to get a, a decent amount, a, a lot of money down on it. When it comes to putting that confidence into play, I know you've talked about a lot of the value being on these opening lines, even if some of these angles are tried and true. The books don't always open with the factors priced in. At this stage right now, do you still see any actionable angles left on the board if we look at the Hall of Fame game tomorrow or the week one slate for the preseason? Now, unfortunately, it's really tough to give out preseason games on podcasts or or anywhere. And the the reason for that is is because it's not as liquid of a market as regular season sides and totals. So, for example, if I send out to clients an NFL week one play right now on a side, it's probably going to move a half point. Maybe not even – it might not even move a half point at some shops – but if, if I give out a preseason recommendation, I, I mean, I gave out Atlanta plus three and I gave out Green Bay plus three. And within a few minutes, the line had moved a point and a, a point about. And then after I decided to tweet it uh, a little bit later, you saw Atlanta is now the favorite and Green Bay is about out of pick them. And it's just easier to move these markets. They're, they're just books are taking less money. And they're going to be more aggressive to move off all the action that's coming in. So that it's tough to give something out with, with, as far as a preseason play right now, unfortunately. That's fair enough. And I'll say that selfishly, I benefited from some of the information you shared yesterday. I wasn't able to fire immediately, but was able to get uh, both the Falcons and the Packers plus two and a half in pocket, along with some decent plus money money line bets to go along with the point spread bets. And I think it can be important to realize a connection that I just had to remind myself of. And I have been doing this for more than a decade. So for up and coming bettors, um, sometimes, you know, one of the worst things you can do is bet on FOMO. I'm in a pretty sharp uh, betting chat where around the MLB draft, there was some information on somebody likely to go number one. And I saw it a few hours later, a small market, not much liquidity, kind of seen some parallels to the preseason here. The number had moved a lot, but I I just didn't want to miss out. So I placed a smaller bet at the worst number. And then, of course, as draft day got closer, somebody else surged ahead as the prohibitive favorite to go first. So I just placed a losing bet at a much more expensive number. In the preseason, there are probably going to be plenty of opportunities if you can't stay glued to the screen and always following the news. I think sometimes just an acceptance of knowing that value is going to pass you by. You're not going to get down on everything. That's perfectly okay. It's better than forcing the issue. I mean, for you yourself, you do this quite well professionally, full time to say the least. How do you go about balancing that dynamic of staying on top of everything as much as possible and also just knowing when the best move is to simply back off and do nothing? Yeah, I mean, it it depends on if if I'm going to sit back and just do nothing with it. I mean, it it really depends on how much the market has moved. And if, then, you know, Hey, the, the, the value has gone. I mean, the best example I could give from today is that Chicago came out saying they were going to play their starters mm-hmm. for a lot of that game at, of the game against the chiefs, maybe at least the first half, who knows. And uh, they were laying two and a half everywhere. And that, that line started to get gobbled up quick. And I was a little late to it. I really did not 
get. I got a bet in on Chicago weighing two and a half, but not much down. And by the time I was able to get to some more shops, Chicago's laying three across the board. And that, that's a moment I had to say, well, you know, do what do I make this game? What do I think? And, you know, with the three and even some three and a half starting to show up, I kind of said, you know, at, at this point, I think it's a pass. I think that the two and a halves were decent bets, but the threes are a pass. So you really just got to have a good idea. You got to have a buy price in mind and you got to know when to, to say no when the, the value has gone. Let's talk about the three a little bit. I often refer to it as the king of key numbers when we're talking regular season. But how does that dynamic shift when we're talking preseason? Yeah, I mean, the three means a, a lot less. Does it still have some value? Yes, it does. But I know some of the most books or nearly every book for to buy off a three or buy on the three, they're going to charge you 20, 25 cents. Um, and in the NFL regular season, if it's um, if they're charging you 20 cents, you can make a, a case that that is worth doing anymore. I wouldn't do. But for preseason, absolutely do not. It's not as valuable. The one is a pretty valuable number in the preseason just because if it does get to the end of a game in the fourth quarter, coaches are going to go for two. They're not going to play for a tie. So one and two tend to come up a lot more in the preseason. So, yeah, the, the big thing with three that I recommend to everybody is I definitely do not buy on or off a of three in the preseason. Building on your notion of one and two being relatively more key in the preseason – my favorite angle, and it could lead to some bets for listeners and, and viewers come preseason week one or any preseason slates. I'll leave it to the audience to choose how they want to specifically apply this. But teasing in the preseason can be one of the biggest ways to gain value across the whole sports betting calendar, specifically teasing up. To your point, if one and two are key, I, you know, in preseason, we'll almost never see a seven and a half point favorite. But if we do, I would not be as interested in teasing them down. Teasing short underdogs up to numbers north of a touchdown really magnifies the value of those points that we get, especially if we're talking about low totals. I mean, a lot of low thirties versus, you know, totals that could be in the low fifties given the same teams in the regular season. So if I look at the preseason hall of fame and week one card right now, I count nine teams currently somewhere between plus one and a half to plus two and a half. So again, there's a lot of options to take teams up through a touchdown in games with really low totals. So probably not as much variance when it comes to what numbers these games are going to land on. I will say to be a bit careful, again, we touched on something earlier. None of these angles are just bulletproof to play blind when it comes to that angle of a team like Cleveland playing its first game in Jacksonville when it's going to be the Jags' second game. Or Minnesota also in teaser territory right now at plus two and a half at Las Vegas. But that'll be the Raiders' second game not every team in teaser territory has equal value to your point, pay a lot of attention to the news, who's going to be in or out, or even if guys are in, what can we glean about just how much playing time they're going to get? Ideally for that reason, I look for preseason teasers pairing together games with the same kickoff time so that I can fire right before kickoff when all available information is priced in. I mean, Hitman, when it comes to this angle, aside from maybe a team's first game versus a team's second game, are there any other big factors that would keep you off of teasing short underdogs up through a touchdown when we're talking totals in the low to mid thirties? No, it's a, it's a good move to, to do that. But like you said, I would only do it close to kickoff, maybe even five, 10 minutes 
before kickoff. And the reason for that is because you could see a team be a one and a half point underdog and they come out and say, we're not playing starters. The other team is playing starters and they could balloon to a four and a half point underdog. And if you did that teaser five days before or something, you're not getting great value on it. So when you're going to do that type of teaser, you really want to have all the information in front of you. And that, that that's when I would do it is closer to kickoff, as you mentioned. Good to know. Like hearing that from your perspective. And I will call out a mutual friend of ours, something I'll, I'll dub the Fezzik special here, a nod to Steve Fezzik. Uh, value thresholds, when we're looking at teasers involving two plus teams, I believe I've heard him share this information over the years. I know the math can get really tricky if we see Again, nine teams right now in teaser territory. A lot of teasers only involve two teams, but where can you find value if you want to bundle more teams together in teasers? Normally, I would say two-team teasers, minus 120 is about the price ceiling. For the preseason with really low totals, I would entertain minus 130 perhaps, but some books even offer lower prices on teasers in the preseason than they do in the regular season. So I think you're going to be just fine getting minus 120 or better on two-team six-point NFL preseason teasers. When we look beyond the two teamers at three teams, if you can get plus 180 or better, I think that shows good value. Four team teasers, I'm looking for three to one. Six teamers, looking for seven to one. And eight teamers, we don't see that a lot, but again, nine teams sitting in teaser territory right now might be tough to get them all involved to your point right before kickoff for their respective time slots. But if you're looking at an eight team teaser, it can find 15 to one. That's also a pretty solid value threshold. And when it comes to these value thresholds, how would you describe your outlook on maximizing value? Again, tying back to an earlier point versus overextending your bankroll just because there's a lot of expected value, but also a small sample size. I mean, are you looking to round robin as many of these teams as you can get if the numbers make sense right before kickoff? Or do you sometimes decide just to pair it back and focus on your favorites? Depends on your tolerance for risk. I mean, if you have the bankroll to, to be able to do it, then yeah, I think you, and you, you're going to survive if you have some of the swings that are a part of this game, then yeah, then I would recommend doing it. But only the, if you're listening to this, only, you know, that question, Hey, can I handle if I do tease, if I tease, do all these teasers with all these games around Robins or whatever, can I handle getting swept or can I hand because could happen. So you got to know your risk tolerance. You got to know what you can handle. And that's going to determine how aggressive you could be. If you're going to do all those things in week one of the preseason, and if you have a disaster day and you say, oh, this is going to affect, I can't bet much the next week, or I can't bet much in the regular season, then you got to know that, hey, I'm only doing one of these. I'm only doing two of these. I'm going to do a percentage of my bankroll on this stuff. But if you have the bankroll and that you can be aggressive on these, then yeah, I would recommend being aggressive. So it's really a, a personal decision. I would say that you have to know um, what's the best decision for you individually. One more question to tie a bow around the preseason portion of our conversation. When it comes to players, coaches, or teams, what are some of the top factors you're looking for throughout the preseason to then inform your approach for the regular season? Could you repeat that, Matt? I'm sorry. 
No problem. So when it comes to, it could be a player, a coach, a team, anything you're looking for this preseason to then inform your betting approach once we get around to the regular season. Uh, yeah, definitely. It, it impacts props, what's going on right now. If you can keep a monitor, hey, who's having a good training camp according to all the beat writers? Not just that, because that's more of a subjective thing, but hey, who's getting all the usage? Who's with the first team? Who's getting a lot of targets? What's this specific offense doing? Are they going more 11 personnel, more 13 personnel? All that stuff is stuff that's going to help you with the player prop market. And and in my opinion, week one is maybe arguably the best week to be betting player props because people that are on top of it just do a better job than the bookmakers do at adjusting to role changes for these specific teams. So, yeah, right now it's really just monitoring what's going on with camp, who's getting usage, all that good stuff to try to prepare myself for um, for player props in the early season. When it comes to player props, I understand that you generally look toward unders more so than overs. So when it comes to news we get over the preseason, if you had to choose between you know positive updates that you're hearing versus negative updates that you're hearing, does one of those two ends of the spectrum get more weight as you're looking to fire on season-long props? Yeah, negative updates are definitely better. Um, I know some people were playing Cam Akers unders yesterday after news that Daryl Henderson was splitting first-team reps with him. There's news with David Montgomery about that he's playing special teams right now and that Khalil Herbert might have a bigger role. Um, Elijah Mitchell just had possibly some negative news with Debo Samuel uh, getting the new contract and in the contract, he's going to get paid extra for rushing usage, which means, Hey, I know early in the off season, it was said, well, Debo doesn't want to run the ball really that much more. Well, now it's looking like Debo is going to be a big part of the Niners run game once again. So yeah, definitely negative updates. I would think uh, are more important than the positive updates during the, uh, during the preseason and training camp. Based on the way you explained that, if I'm connecting the dots properly, it sounds like a negative update on a player could mean not only to consider firing on that player's season-long props to go under, but if there's another player at that same position on that same team, perhaps looking to take somebody's over, even if they're not mentioned in the story, just indirectly putting two and two together. Is that a fair takeaway? Yeah, for sure. For sure. More applies to week one because like someone with the David Montgomery thing, for example, Khalil Herbert's really not going to have season long lines up right now. So in week one, he might. But it also applies to fantasy football. I know a lot of people that are betting big. They're playing in fantasy football leagues. A lot of them take it very seriously. So when you're monitoring that news, it could help you greatly with uh, daily fantasy and your, your fantasy football leagues as well. Got it. I think we're going to be hard pressed to find a better 30 minutes of preseason talk anywhere else. Uh, Thanks to you, of course, I'm happy just to be a fly on the wall in this conversation once you get rolling with your insights. I would like to talk some regular season as well while I've got you. I know on the Early Value podcast yesterday, you mentioned the Saints as being a team that you still consider to be a little bit undervalued. And my first reaction was, a bit of surprise because I had Cleve TA on this show back in May, episode 137. And at that time, he was mentioning the Saints being undervalued. So I'm thinking, wow, two, three months later, the same team is still perhaps undervalued. And at the same time, maybe it shouldn't be so surprising because most people who bet still probably haven't even really started thinking seriously about how they're going to wager this coming NFL season. So with the Saints in mind, still being perhaps a bit undervalued, Would you say there's a price ceiling that you have on your radar 
pertaining to their regular season win total price or perhaps that week one line Saints hosting the Falcons? Yeah, I mean, for the regular season wins, and it's been hit. I mean, it, it opened seven and a half. It's it's tough right now to think of a lot of teams. Hey, I love this team. I think they're so undervalued because, you know, the time to bet a lot of these regular season wins was three months ago. But um, with the Saints, I still see uh, there's some alternate lines out there. I think FanDuel has over seven minus 170. DraftKings has over seven or FanDuel has over seven and a half minus 170. Uh, DraftKings, I know, has, I think, over seven minus 215. Some of those numbers still have value, especially when you see a sharper shop like Circa. I believe they're dealing the Saints win total at eight and a half minus 120 to the over or something. So I think there's just a little there's not much, but there's a little bit of meat left on the bone and betting some Saints stuff. And same thing with week one. Um, I think they're minus five at most shops right now, something in that general area. I think that line probably closes maybe six, a little north of six by the time Sunday kickoff comes. So, like I said, it's been hit. There's a lot of value is gone, but if you are getting in late, there's a little meat left on the bone, in my opinion. It's as if you're reading my mind. I was going to ask if there were perhaps any derivative markets where you still saw a little bit more value. So when you talk all the overs at those numbers at FanDuel and DraftKings, if it's, you know, an over seven or over seven and a half, something worth considering. Those don't get as much attention as the standard regular season win numbers or a week one line. And for that week one game, I'm seeing a consensus price of five and a half. But yeah, if it's going to likely close six or greater, perhaps still a bit of wiggle room. And Hitman, if we're talking Saints or really any other team, are there any angles once the regular season begins in the early stages that you'll be keeping a particularly close eye on that can then mid-season perhaps change your approach for the rest of the season? So you repeat that, Matt. You said that. Yeah. I, I might not be asking this the best way. It's similar to the preseason question I repeated. But basically, once the season starts, I know you spend a lot of time studying these teams. You have a pretty good sense of things once the season begins. At the same time, with the market always evolving, is there anything that you're especially keen to keep an eye on that you might see early in the yeah. season that could affect your approach for the rest of the season? Gotcha. It's probably the, the more the teams and players I'm uncertain on. Uh, for example, like Trey Lance is a high variance player in my opinion that, you know, we don't know if he's going to be good. He could be really good. He could be really bad. His ceiling is way higher than Jimmy Garoppolo's. His floor is probably lower than Jimmy Garoppolo's. So like a guy like that, for example, is it, it's something that you would, you see early on with him could completely change your power rating on San Francisco. You could think they're two points better than an average team. Now Well, if Lance is going to be a big upgrade on Jimmy G, they might be four points better than an average team. If he's going to be a below average starting quarterback, the Niners could be a slightly below average team. You just don't know. So uh, I really like, I really like to uh, make adjustments early in the year on stuff that I'm uncertain on coming in. And that's when, where you just got to be aggressive. Um, look at the chiefs and Patrick Mahomes, first season, you, when he, dominated the Chargers week one, dominated the Steelers week two. You had to make a pretty big adjustment early in the season, say, hey, the Chiefs are a lot better than people think, and I really have to upgrade them. So, yeah, you're just really monitoring a lot of the stuff that comes that happens early in the season with some unproven players, and you got to make 
quick and swift adjustments. When it comes to the Chiefs specifically, is there anything you feel strongly about as far as their offense goes without Tyreek Hill or anything you're going to be watching closely early on to perhaps get some signal as to what that unit might look like over the course of the season? I feel pretty strong that the Chiefs aren't going to miss much without Hill. Now, is he a tremendous player? Yes. But if you look at Mahomes' splits without Hill during his career, they're pretty damn good. And I think that Patrick Mahomes, it wouldn't surprise anybody if he goes down at the end of his career as a top 10 quarterback in NFL history. And he's in his prime right now, paired with one of the best play callers that the NFL has seen. So I think that it's been a little bit overblown that the Chiefs offense might not be as good uh, as previous years. Now, will they be as good as Mahomes' MVP year? Probably not, but I think that they're still in the conversation for the best offense in the NFL. As a Chargers fan, that scares me a little bit, but I I also feel like Patrick Mahomes and the rest of that team with Andy Reid calling the shots probably going to be just fine on that side of the ball. I'd like to shift gears a little bit and note that not only are you about as sharp as they come from the betting side of things, but you're also becoming quite the media maven these days. People can find you as a pregame pro on pregame.com, as an NFL sharp with bet prep, also contributing to NFL coverage at covers.com. How do you juggle everything when it comes to betting and a growing list of media obligations for this season to ensure that you're covering all your bases these days? Yeah, I mean, it's not that bad. And the main reason is that any media company that I'm doing something with, they have to realize first that I'm a better first. And that's where the majority of my income is coming from. And that's going to be my priority. So a lot of the companies and people that I'm dealing with, I make it known, hey, listen, this is I can give X amount of time. This is what I could afford to do. And it's most likely going to be on these specific days where I'm a little less busy with betting. And if you want me, great. If not, then it's not going to work out. So fortunately, a lot of companies have been able to work with me around my schedule. And that, that's what makes it pretty easy for me. So it's, it's not that much of a hassle for me. As we talk about the notion of balance a little bit during the NFL season between media and betting and other life obligations, I'd like to go ahead and weave in the Malinsky Minute as a nod to the late, great David Malinsky. He seemed like as sharp as he was with betting and every other walk of life, never frazzled, always had it completely together. And when you think about the season to come, this is a pretty pivotal time of year where, you know, it's almost an on off switch August through February versus March through July. Do you have any sort of plan in place when it comes to maintaining mental, physical health relationships over the course of the NFL season when your professional obligations really ratchet up? Yeah, I mean, the longer that you start doing it, the more you realize that you got to put some time aside for things. And I'm trying to do each year. I'm trying to maybe put just a a little bit more time aside. And you know, you you could make all the money in the world, but if you, if your mental health isn't great and you're not happy and you just feel stressed all the time, then you're, you're not going to be happy. So it's definitely I recommend to everybody if you're grinding it, whether it's at betting or you're grinding it something else to just put aside, have some things that give you enjoyment outside of work and spend time with family, all that stuff and try to make time for it because it's definitely very important. One of those things that I really enjoy outside of sports also pairs well with betting and watching a game would be the hops. We can weave that into this conversation just a bit. You've spoken pretty well to your non-beer drinking experiences and preferences during previous appearances on this show 
And as we think about this past offseason, I'm curious, how would you describe your best drinking experience since the Super Bowl? <sighs> best drinking experience? Probably, you know, any time I was in Vegas twice in the offseason and just anytime I'm having a drink in Vegas is probably what I call the best drinking experience. It's so much fun out there. It's like my second home. I, I love to visit. I make it a point to, to get out there as often as I can. So when I'm signing up for the contests, which I already did at the West gate, getting some drinks with buddies there that I only get to see so often, it, it's definitely a good experience for me. So that, that's probably the, the number one that I'd have to go with. I was, I was trying to drink a little bit on the, the golf course when I was in Vegas, but when it's 115 degrees outside, it gets a little, it gets tough to, to have your Red Bull and vodka or something. <laughs> so it's, it was just a lot of water while I was doing that. Yeah. On the golf course in Vegas, I recently had Brady Cannon on the show to preview the British Open. And he talked about his routine over the course of 18 holes, three Budweiser's does it just right for him. So maybe a lighter beer versus anything with liquor involved could be the nice change of pace for a hot day out on the golf course. And you touched on a fun drinking experience on the West Gate. I'll also throw in another mecca of NFL contests these days at Circa. You and I at Betbash Stadium Swim watching the Final Four. I think I was drinking Corona from a can. That might have been a first for me. Um, maybe not the last, but one of the last times as well. But I was with you and so much of their great company. And in that environment, that was such a blast. So I can totally second the notion that whether or not it's your favorite drink in the right environment with the right company, uh, just about anything can hit the spot and go a long way. Yeah, and Circa was awesome when at Bet Bash, and I obviously did the Circa contest also, and they're great people over there, so it's always a good time over there as well. Well said. Well, I think we've covered some good ground here. Want to start to turn the corner and wrap things up. I'd like to thank everybody for watching and listening. If you've enjoyed this conversation, the number one way you can support Props and Hops would be to take just a few seconds, leave a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, one friendly reminder about that meetup in L.A. next Friday, August 12th, 7 p.m. at We're Pouring in Glendale. An evening of betting and beer. Also good food and wine available. Myself, pro better Joey Isaacs, as well as Porter at MLBK's Psychic, putting this thing together. And if you're hearing this, you are invited. Last but not least, Hitman also want to make sure to plug your work so that if anybody's asleep at the wheel and not following you yet, they'll know how they can do so. On Twitter, at Hitman428, also at Pregame.com as a Pregame Pro, with Bet Prep as an NFL Sharp, and all the great work you're doing on the NFL with Covers.com as well. Hitman, anything I'm missing or anything else you'd like to add? Oh, that looks good, and I'm looking forward to um, checking out all your pods during the, off se during the regular season. You always have some great guests on, and I appreciate uh, that I'm one of them. Absolutely. Well, hope to have you on a time or two in that rotation. For now, can't thank you enough for the time and insight. Always love doing this together. By the way, I am still thinking about getting dinner at Capo's at some point from a previous interview I had with you on this show. I look forward to making that happen one day, perhaps Bet Bash 3, if not a bit sooner. Always a good meal there. But, you know, Vegas, it's the restaurant capital of the world, in my opinion. I've had some great spots. Uh, the, the Steakhouse at Resorts World, I, I don't remember the name, but I was just there recently. And I've 
had a lot of stakes at a lot of good places, but that might have been the best that I ever had. The Porterhouse at the, the new steakhouse at Resorts World. So that's another food recommendation I got. But honestly, in Vegas, you can't really go wrong. Love it. Well, from the bets to the food, full of good recommendations. Hitman, thank you once again. Look forward to doing it again before too long. Appreciate it. Thank you.